Hi listeners, it's Lucy. Please don't scroll ahead. This is a very quick message, I promise, to ask a very easy favour. At the end of each episode, as the credits roll, you'll hear a request from us to rate and review the show. Now, for those of you that are awesome podcast listeners rather than podcast makers, you might actually have no idea what a huge difference those things make. A significant factor in the visibility of a podcast on almost all listening platforms is down to the number and quality of ratings and subscriptions. So, if you are one of our dedicated listeners, hi, I know some of you as far away as Australia, so thanks. If you're currently not driving your car or changing a baby's nappy, can you please just look down at your phone right now as I'm talking and hit subscribe and five-star rating? Both of them are on the homepage of the show and they are both only a one-click job. But oh my God, what a lot of joy and gratitude I would feel at those one clicks. It makes such a difference to the show's potential to keep going. Now, enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. You're about to hear a brief conversation with an incredible artist. Part autobiographical journey, part literary analysis, and part late-night chat in the theatre bar. This is Hear Me Out. And I'm your host, Lucy Eaton. Please welcome to the stage, Jay Smith Cameron. At last we're here. Before we get into everything, shall we tell the listener how long it's taken us to make this happen? Yeah, why not? I think I reached out to your people um, at the beginning of 2022, or maybe the end of 2021. Is that right? I think so. That's hilarious. I yeah. I forgot that. Okay. And I have to say, I almost want to start with like, without putting my own show down too much, why did you say yes? Why did I say yes? Oh, I love the concept of it. Right. And then I listened to a couple of shows and I thought it was so clever and good. And But then I was like, oh, but these are really great actors and they're really, so I have to be, I have to, you know, when you're in the middle of doing press for a TV mm, show, mm, mm. it's, you get sort of like... I don't know about other actors, but you get to feeling like a jackass because you're just talking about this yourself, the same things over and over. The same anecdotes. And this, yes, and then I don't have any good anecdotes, but the same stuff about your character. Mm. And you start feeling kind of tired. And so somehow this seemed more legit to me, like a, like really about performing, mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. about the theater and really about literature. And it seemed... Like not together, and I could never get my publicist to kind of see that it was something that I needed some mental space for. space around it, and yeah. um, and it really helped meeting you. I'm skipping ahead the story, so, so, so I don't know. So a year and a half so later, that's why we I wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess I couldn't do it during the. Mm. You wanted to. You there were all sorts of just, during the. Yeah, there were all. Well, actually, I think there were all sorts of little bits of like. You know, it almost happened and then yes, I remember something that. happened for you or something happened for me yeah. or, you know, it, it was one of those like the thing that almost felt it was never going to be, you know, it right. was like we were always so close and then it wouldn't happen. <laughs> and then fast forward a year and a half mm-hmm. and it turns out that you're literally coming to Oxford. Right. Which is where I live now. And so that's where we are. We are in a very beautiful old room and finally doing what we wanted to do. So a quick question before we launch into the speech. It was quite interesting you just said to me there that idea of it being different because you were doing all the press for the TV and do you find, because you are a bona fide Broadway superstar, um, which again I feel not loads of people know in England Mm -hmm. because you've become so popular because of Succession. Mm -hmm. So everyone is like, oh yeah, sure, great TV actress. But with your experience on Broadway as well, 
Do you find that same thing, what you were saying about press, and press can be very hard for a TV series because you're doing a lot and you're talking about the same thing. Do you find the same thing when you have to do press for a show, for a theatre show? I just have never done so much so much press for any, mm. anything else. Mm. The Succession's a big hit mm -hmm. because there's publicists involved, whereas I yeah. don't usually mess with that. Yeah. Um, and also, most of my resume, I've done a good deal of Broadway, but most of it is off-Broadway. I like mm. new plays, mm -hmm. like this speech um, from Juno and the Paycock, was I played this part when I at the Irish Rep, mm -hmm. um, which is a off Broadway theater in New York. Mm. It's since been revived, by the way, even though it wasn't that long ago. Because on, in in New York, it, at the same theater, oh. because, and I couldn't do it because of Succession. Yes. Oh, so they were going to revive it, same cast, same director, yes. exactly the same. Well, oh. I don't know if they were going to do everything the same. What happened is they got permission from the OKC State to do the trilogy. Mm. So it's the Plow and the Stars, yeah, and the Peacock and Shadow of a Gunman. Right. Okay. Uh, so they did all three. It kind of took it took months and months. I couldn't yeah. have ever done it. Yeah. They were like, "What if you?" Because you were supposed to play a part in each oh. play, and um, they were like, "Okay, what if you only play Juno? Can you get mm -hmm. actors for those nights?" And and bloody uh, succession. She just, <laughs> just laughed at me. Yeah, he just laughed at me because I I I'd also just recently been made a regular character, so mm. it's like. Which is it you want? Yeah, don't if throw that if away. If you're a guest player, yeah, you get yeah. paid way less, but you can say, I'm not available that day and that day and that day. Yeah, and yeah. For me off Broadway. You yeah. Know? When did you become a regular in succession? At what point were you uh, a guest? And then when were you a regular? Um, at the start of succession. Mm. Um, I think Jerry was not even supposed to be an ongoing character. I, oh. I was sort of booked to do episode two through episode six. I was, I was booked to do four episodes. <sighs> And possibly, possibly you might we might need you at the towards the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. You're very vague. Yeah. And then um, I ended up being in every episode yeah. that season, just yeah. as a guest star. Yeah. And then, um, like literally before they even had, they picked it up early. They picked the HBO picked the show up early, and yeah. they offered me a regular like almost right before they announced the picking up because mm -hmm. I was like. I'm a regular, but there's no show, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that happened. Yeah. And then, yeah. Right. Okay. But we we must shelve succession for the moment. Okay. We've mentioned it already briefly, but why don't you tell our listener what the speech is, what the play is, and what the speech is that you have picked as your favorite? <clears throat> the play is Juno and the Peacock. Yeah. By Sean O'Casey. Um, it is a play that's done very often mm -hmm. in Ireland, mm -hmm. and not that often everywhere else. I mean, I almost never read into someone who really knows the play yeah but it's a it's strange that that's the case because it is positively a classic play mm -mm. In, in every sense of the word it's a beautifully written play and the whole um trilogy is good but it's historically incredibly uh significant it takes place during the civil war in the 20s mm -hmm. and it's um it's a masterfully done because it's both comic and terribly tragic i got cast oh, so first of all my husband mm used to say to me, you should play this part of Juno at some point. Mm -hmm. When we first got together, he was like, you're too, you're too young now, but someday you should play this part. And I was like, what is, what is that play? It's like something mm -hmm. I remember reading about in drama school, not in drama school, in college. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, what is it? What's it mean? Juno and the Peacock? What's a yeah, Peacock? Yes. You know, like, uh, yeah. It just never, I could, it wouldn't penetrate my brain. Yeah, yeah. And um, finally, one day I was sitting around, uh, with Kirana Riley and some other people and Kenny, mm. we we're having a drink, I think, and laughing, talking. He was like, "You guys, one day should do Juno and the Peacock." And um, 
Chiron kind of la laughed nervously because he actually is one of the people who runs the Irish Rep. Oh, and was it already in the pipeline? No, no. All oh, right, okay. It's just it's just like saying, I'd like to play Amanda in a glass menagerie. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like no shit Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I said, when I'm old enough, and he went, oh, oh you're old enough. <laughs> you're like, have I aged so <laughs> quickly? Yes. But, but really, she could be 40, she could be 60. Okay. She's, in, she's got grown children. Yeah, okay. Like children yeah. in their early 20s. So. Yeah. So, Kiran uh, and I kind of wanted to do this, but... At the time that they wanted to do this, Sinead Cusack, mm. and I want to say, I should double check this. Yeah, we can. Karen Hines. Right. Um, Sounds about right. This had played in, uh, I think, at the Abbey and then maybe mm -hmm. in the West End. Mm -hmm. And they were they were maybe going to bring it to Broadway. So the OKC estate was not really giving the rights. Yeah. And then that fell through and it didn't come to the to uh, the U.S. Yeah. So they got Somebody the rights. They the I remember the phone calls were yesterday. It was out in Long Island and the phone rang it was Kiran. He was like, you still want to do Judith and the Peacock? <laughs> I was like, yes. And then, but he wasn't directing it. He wanted to play the captain. Fine. So I had to pass Charlotte Moore's test. And it's kind of an odd part for me. Okay. I, don't, I don't think it is, but they always cast, um, you know how uh, Sinead Cusack has that kind of like, she's little, but she's kind of scrappy and tough. And yes, yes. Horse and like, you know, that strong earth mother type part. Yes. I don't know how that came to be the, the way you know, we identify her, the but cliche it, of it. Yeah, but fine. Charlotte was concerned because I had kind of a lighter girlish voice compared to mm, some, like okay. somebody like Colleen Dewhurst, which is before our time. But I had this idea, a different idea for her, mm. where I I thought sh you could play her like she's knowing and embittered, and you'd be perfectly in your rights to decide that about her. Mm. But I decided that it was more, it was more touching, I more interesting to me if she wasn't defeated yet because mm. i mean she, she it starts with you know she's a little bit of a what's that word like you know she's she's careworn but i decided wouldn't it be better if she was really hopeful and kind yeah. of always thought things would turn out and really that there's something like have, do you know who the actress um gioletta messina is no you don't oh god Okay, I'm going to have to oh have a list of homework. Yes, please. Um, she was Zeffirelli's, oh, excuse me, Fellini's wife. She's little and scrappy, just sort of smiling through tears, like very spunky. And she's, there's nobody like her. Like she's mm. a, she's a, okay, a magical performer. Brilliant. Like she's a magician, you know. Brilliant. And I just thought, what if it was a, more of a Gioletta Messina type role? Yeah. So I just had this sort of a little bit of different idea about it, and um, everybody kind of went along with it. And surely great. there's the whole thing of like further to fall. If you're not quite so careworn exactly. at the beginning, right? Then what happens over the course of the play is more right. like distressing. Right. Watch I exactly. go through. What do you think Kenny saw in you initially that he thought was right for Juno? Well, you'd have to ask him, I suppose. I don't know. Hopefully, it's flattering. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, um, I think he. Th Thinks I have a lot of emotional reserves, mm -hmm. which is a very emotional role, mm. and that I'm that I'm I'm sort of adaptable to different plays in time, like mm. different eras. Yes, which is an odd thing to say, but it but it's not some yeah, actors not are only contemporary, yeah. you know, or totally. Um, and also that. I can do accents if I study hard enough. Mm -hmm, and it's, mm -hmm. This is supposed to be a North Dublin mm. um, sp specific dialect, uh, which I had to learn. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, um, so does he often cherry pick roles that he thinks you'd be good for? Like, does that happen quite often where he'll go, oh, my gosh, I think you should you do this brilliantly? 
No. <laughs> He's like, just get off the stage, Jen. No, I'm trying to think. Because um... I always think it's very revealing. Like, I don't know if most actors must, must have this. You know, I had one of my best friends quite recently turn around and was like, oh God, when you're older, you should be Arcadina in The Seagull. And I was like, oh, that's oddly flattering. You know, when you're yes. like, God, I never thought of myself as that. So that's fascinating that you think I could play that. You know, like, I, yeah. I think it's very Did interesting. seeing you ahead Yeah. Of so I think it's very interesting when yeah. someone who knows you well says, yeah. oh, I think you should. I don't know. I don't, this is curious, but I don't know why he suggested suggested Gina for me. Mm. And he doesn't go around suggesting parts exactly, but um, like I took an interest in actually the idea of playing, speaking of Amanda, and because mm. uh, I also had sort of a little bit of a unique idea for that part. And he was like, that's that's a very good fit. Like some, you know, And that's in the that. Glass Menagerie that you said earlier. Yeah. Okay, okay, so back to the play. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the speech? So oh, what so. part of the play is the speech from? And then why, why do you love it so much? Um, the speech is towards the end of the play, mm -hmm. and uh, in the story, oh, it's so awful, it's so upsetting. Um, the This family goes through all kinds of ups and downs. Uh, it's too intricate to kind of mm. sum up easily, but it, in the story, uh, there's one point when they think they are inheriting some money, mm -hmm. and they go out and buy new furniture. They live in a terrible uh, tenement building, mm -hmm. you know, um, with the bathroom outside, and then, you know, it's like two rooms and there's a bunch of them and mm. the whole thing. And they think they've inherited money and they go out and buy this furniture that's a little tacky, but it's fancy, yeah, fancy. Yeah, yeah. And they throw a party and they're all celebrating and they have the, a gramophone now and they, yeah. you know, everything's going on. They think their fortunes have changed yeah. and they have a party and this neighbor, Mrs. Tankard stops by mm. and she's just learned that her son has been shot and there, everybody gets very sober and loving to her and chilled by it. And after she leaves, bit by bit, they go back to the party, the yeah. way human nature is. Yeah, of course. They're sing it's like a single, they do sing along, you know, yeah, just like yeah, the yeah. Irish, you know, yeah. family type and friends gathering. Towards the end of the play, uh, well, all kinds of things happen. She finds out that her daughter is pregnant, so, and also the young man has just disappeared on her. Mm. Her sweetheart, her old sweetheart doesn't want to take her back, her mm. um, her own brother turns on her. So the daughter who she, June is very close to, Mary Boyle, June and Mary Boyle, and she's very close to her. And she's, you know, you can tell she's not, she's gonna take care of her and mm. maybe raise this child or whatever. And all the furniture that came and got collected because they didn't inherit the money. So the, the flat's kind of empty yeah. and dreary. And then another neighbor comes back and says, uh, oh, there's a policeman downstairs. They want to talk to you. And right away, she's like, why do they want to talk to me? And um, she says, well, a body's been found. And they think it's your son. And she's like, oh, it's true. It's true. And she's stricken. And then that lady leaves. And Mary and Juno are alone in the room. And Mary's like, oh, I dread it. I dread it. Mm -hmm. And well, that's in the because that goes into speech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what's going on. And then, then there's one more scene between the captain and Joxer, and they're very wasted and very drunk. And mm. you get the feeling the whole family unit is now breaking apart. Very tragic. Yeah. And my daughter at the time, um, she's 21 now, and this was several years ago. So she was like either a freshman in high school or in in, in um, middle school, mm -hmm. and she 
she loved to come to the Irish rep and do her homework and my dressing Aww. room. And she would come and watch parts of one and two, acts yeah. one and two. And then when it got, after act three started, she would creep downstairs and everyone would say, but this is like the big climax. Your mom is smashing it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You need to see, you, you'll want to see this. And mm. she's like, it's too much for me. It's mm. too, too much. Mother and daughter scene. And, mm. oh. So I yeah. completely understand that. I think my brother, who is now um, a screenwriter and a very successful theater director, he used to act and we are very, very close. And I used to get very emotional, even like, I'm not saying like tiny child, but as a teenager, as yeah. an 18 year old, you know, I would get very emotional seeing him in something where his character was set upon in some way or going through something hard. Like I sort of couldn't quite detach yeah. reality from character. Yeah. So I can totally get how your daughter Nelly doesn't watch. even really like to watch Succession anymore because Kieran is a family friend. And, and he's and, so and horrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. the whole connection, the liaison between Oh, them. right. Like, of course. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> gross. Like, so I don't I don't know. need to see that. I don't yes, know if she that's watches so funny. Secret, but she will not. She, so he doesn't want to be sat next it. to you as it's playing. Yeah. yeah that would be too much. Like that. Yeah. So why do you love it so much? It's obviously a brilliantly written speech and a a brilliant play was it a particularly joyful show yes was it was it, was it wonderful? yes i loved the irish rap i mm. loved the play the more we played it and the more deeper i got into it the more i loved it i loved every actor in that play and also <laughs> um <laughs> when we were in previews i shouldn't i hope i'm not going to get i hope i'm not going to get kiran o'reilly in trouble for this but, <laughs> um so we would play this scene that I'm talking about. Mm. And then we'd make our final exit. Uh, Mary Mallon, who played um, Mary, will mm. this. And then the two fellows come in just shit-faced mm -hmm. and play their last scene, which is very dark. Mm. So they'd be waiting in the wings to come on, right? Mm. And we'd come off and we'd both be like yeah. snotty-nosed and swollen eyes and crying and yeah. a mess. And so it was early preview. Kiran, I just kind of see him in the dark, like kind of backlit by the stage, mm. you know, light back there. And he reaches out his hand like this to me and I thought he was going to just squeeze my hand. Yeah, be like, well done. Oh my he God. just slipped a little shot of Irish whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and so it became a thing where Mary Miles. Oh my God, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everything about it was just magical. I think it was really interesting when we first met and we talked a bit about this, you got quite emotional, even just talking about the speech. Yeah. And I sort of recognize that. I don't know if I've got a specific speech that feels like that, but I definitely recognize that from these moments where it's very hard to sort of talk about them without right. going, oh God, Well, one reason I think I kept delaying <laughs> doing this is that um, it's it comes at the, you know, at the fullness of the play. So you mm. have all the things that lead up to it. So, I mean, I can read the speech, but the, if you see it in the context, yeah, yeah, and the actors had all those things happen, yeah, to her before she gets to it, it's. I was worried it wouldn't be the same animal it is in my. I completely understand that. Do you find it? This is maybe a more general acting question. Do you find it very easy to make yourself cry when you're in character? To make myself cry. That's well, to well to cry. Maybe I that's quite a, a revealing term of. I'm term a crybaby in general. Right. Well, I'm a crybaby. Okay. But I don't know that I've ever been able to cry on stage. It's weird. You, know you mustn't worry about it. You mustn't think. I cry too much elsewhere. Yes, you should try not to cry. Yeah. No, seriously, sometimes that's more moving if you see someone actually not cry. I said this 
in series two, I think it's in the interview with Jack Thorne. And there's a moment where we're talking about, cry. I think actors crying. And I said, I think it's better sometimes if you don't actually cry, but you look like you're just holding it back. And he was like, really, who told you that? And I was like, oh, maybe that's something just said to me to be kind because oh, I was like, I can't cry. I think it's, well, well, when that happened between yeah. you and me, yeah, I guess well, I didn't. I got embarrassed, True. you know. Like mm. there's something to seeing someone's eyes turn pink, which mm. is almost better because, um, you know, I've had directors who are like, "Is that actor enjoying crying too much?" Because we want the audience to cry. Yes. Like in this play, I just think it doesn't matter if you cry or not. It'd be very hard you not have to. to be made of stone not to. Cry yeah, because she's her her daughter's pregnant, but the boyfriend's left. The father's a unmitigating drunk and she finally sees that she she must leave yeah and then her son is killed yeah and yeah her home is empty she so and are you in the middle of a long scene like are you it's a long scene yeah yeah this is not like tv where it's like an action be mm -hmm. in despair that's right well once that character comes in and says there's the police man downstairs mm -hmm. and they want to talk to you yeah this is horrible like oh god is jack dead did jack kill somebody is johnny dead where's johnny like See, I'm getting... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give her all the awards. All of the awards. <laughs> but I've been trying to... Not trying to make myself... Yes, no. But yeah, course. I know what you're talking about. It's not... Uh, I don't think I could... I don't think I would be good at making myself cry. Mm. Because that, that I think it's too much pressure. And and also, you know, there's these actors that like, tear, they never wipe it away. This is it. Okay, so I always say it. this. Like... This is my pet peeve <laughs> on screen. It seems to happen more on screen than in theatre, but it does happen a bit in theatre. But my pet peeve is people who are clearly capable of making their eyes water. And audiences seem to be very impressed by yes. actors who can make their eyes water. <laughs> And so, like, someone will stand there and have this emotional scene and it'll fill and it'll fall and their voices don't change. And I always think, for anyone I've ever seen cry, and certainly for me when I cry, the first thing that goes is my voice. Yeah. Or my breath or my nose starts running. That's right. Way before actually water falls out of my eyes. Yeah. But I absolutely get that in this scene and this speech... I think any of the times that I have felt the most likely for it to well up is when, and it's not being method acting, it's not sort of absolutely believing you are the person, but sometimes when something comes at the end of a long scene that has been very hard for the character, right. you cannot help. And again, when it's written so well mm. and you say certain words, That's you cannot right. help but like say those words right. and for your body to not have a reaction to that. That's right. Okay, right, I'm going to take out my scrubby little notes Ooh. and just see... Um, Let's have some scrubby notes. What else I had in here that I haven't asked? Well, so one of my questions was, was Juno an offer or an audition? And I think you've half answered this already. It sounds like it was a semi-offer, but then That's you right. did have to audition. I did have audition. to just go and have lunch with Charlotte Moore. And then she, she still was worried, I think, about my voice. We went into the theatre and I, I don't know how to persuade her. I mm. just tried to be like... Did you read a bit of it then? I did. Yeah. So it's like a voice audition. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I just thought, I don't know what I did. I don't remember what I did. I, I think we picked a bit where I could be sort of, uh, you have a chest voice. Sort of, mm. you know? Yeah. But was she persuaded by that? Like, did she at the end of that, was it? Yeah, she say, was like, okay, that? yeah, you're, you're, and she was directing. And so she's like, yeah, okay, you're my Juno. So excited. And then immediately terrified. Was there anything when you actually played her that really surprised you? Gosh, that's such a good question. Um... I think the whole thing surprised me mm. because again, if you're thinking 
right away of calling Dewhurst or somebody, mm -hmm. you know, these when it, then you're like, oh, I'm an imposter. You have this imposter syndrome mm -hmm. reaction about all of it. But I kept finding that she was closer and closer to me. Are you someone, well, actually, I have a two-pronged question here. I love a two-pronged. Did you, did you watch it ever before you played it? So you hadn't seen you. I think that's helpful. Yeah, I think that's incredibly helpful. And the second thing was, do you have a way in which you approach, this is now a more general acting question, uh, you approach a script? And does it vary depending on whether it is a beautiful uh, theatrical script written by Sean O'Casey or a screen, a screenplay by the likes of Jesse Armstrong? Do you have a way that you approach something when you're first given it? I think that uh, one thing that's desirable but harder to do as life goes on is to if I've been offered something or if I have an audition for something mm. is to read the whole thing in one sitting, mm. which mm -hmm. is harder and harder to do as you go through life because you've got other responsibilities mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and you get tired. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that is, can be a game changer. Yeah. Also, as time goes on, I've taken to reading it aloud. And so, just your lines, but reading it all aloud at the beginning or reading the whole uh, thing the whole aloud. thing aloud. Wonderful. Because, and also when I learn lines, I try to kind of, shadow learn the other line like I tr mm. just try to not forget that you're acting on the other person's lines too like that whole thing yes is, that's helpful. do you know what I mean instead of just because I get lazy and I want to just learn them by rote I do a fair amount of that but I try to just you know read through the scene aloud a lot and then yeah. kind of par know them just yes. from that you know yeah also my friend Allison Janney mm. she told us this we were doing this play Blue Window mm. at the Manhattan Theater Club a long, long time ago, and she told us this story in the dressing room, and we all thought it was brilliant. What we were talking about when you have a big speech, coming, yeah, and in your mind you're going, okay, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, yeah. here it comes, here it comes, and I have to do this in that speech, I have to do that, and I have to, da, 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 to hit these marks, and we were talking about how you avoid that. Mm. And she said, I can remember it like as yesterday. She said, in my mind, right before I start the first sentence of it, I say, and it goes something like this. I love Isn't that. that. Brilliant. Oh, I'm going to use that. Okay, so because we've had a lovely conversation, but before we do the speech, to return to succession, because we are talking a mere few days before it finishes for good. It's true. And I'm going to try and turn this around that so that this is, cry. as an audience member, I'm very sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you just said there, it'll make you cry. Has it been? as glorious as we as audience members all hope it has been for yes. this. Yeah. Positively. Great. And I mean, I just have a supporting role. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not. But you have a supportive role that's like. I have a good supporting role. A very I good mean, Imagine, role. like, compared to the, like, some of the, you know, Brian's part, Kieran's part, yeah. Jeremy's part, Sarah Snook's part. Like, oh my God, how will they go on? I, well, <laughs> and, and how did they do it? Like, I mean, anyway, I mean, it's just so. They're, both, they're all just uh, incredible. Mm. Um, but uh, the whole supporting cast is so uh, superb. Yes, it's been glorious. Like, the writing is... Out of this world. Out of this world. And the acting is all uh, very... All the actors are very inventive. Mm. Mostly theater actors. Yes. Mostly so you we talked about this briefly, but to just reiterate that mm. on this um, in this chat... I remember hearing you say that, or I read you say that in an in a an interview once, and I was actually surprised by that. Yeah, and I you mean, said to me almost everyone. You almost said maybe um, I think uh, maybe Nick Braun has not done so. He's dying to do more. Which is theater. who is Greg? Right, mm -hmm. cousin Greg. 
Um, but, you know, uh, Brian Cox, certainly. Oh, yeah, yes. Um, Harriet Walters, certainly. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sarah yeah. Snook has done yeah. a lot of theater. Um, yes, I didn't know that. Peter Friedman, David Rashi, the, uh, Doug Mara. Yeah. Dominchik, um, Fisher Stevens. And these are like all, these are all the actors who play like, um, Mike Frank, Frank Carolina. Yes, yes, yes yeah. your crew. Yeah. Um, it's kind of theatrical. I mean, it's, yeah. you have to be able to navigate these like long, windy sentences and, mm. it, and you have to have a lot of timing and it's, it's more talky than TV usually yes. is, you know? Yes, yes, yes. How aware are you that you're in something that has been such a phenomenon? Well, now I'm really aware of it. I mean, what changed? Just, what made you suddenly Just aware? critical mass of people mm. seeing it. Because a lot of people just discovered it. Mm. So you have people who've watched all along, and then the wave of people who've caught up by <laughs> reading about it or hearing a friend yeah. say, you have to watch it. Yeah. Plenty of people who haven't seen it or who are disgusted by it. I don't mean that. But, mm. um, you know, it's just... Well, that's the very, very it, first it, episode, it, the pilot episode. You know, I remember, and I've heard a lot of people say this, and I can remember seeing that pilot episode myself mm -hmm. and sort of being like, I'm intrigued, but I don't know. The question I was thinking was like, who am I meant to root for? Because they're all so awful. And of course, the answer by the end is like, all of them. Everyone <laughs> in there, even the most despicable people, by the end, you're going, particularly with Kendall and Roman, for some reason, I don't know why I feel that more than with the character of Shiv, all I want to do is reach into the screen and give them a cuddle. Oh. I feel so desperately like these men people. just need someone to give them a bit of normal love <laughs> and none of this would be happening you know and mm. I, that's absolutely true for the character of Shiv as well but for some reason maybe it's the gender reversal in it or something but I feel like almost nurturing towards them I'm like someone give Kendall a hug yeah. someone give Roman a hug and again maybe it's like you know, likable actors each other now it's interesting no, they, they, they did. from the beginning yeah, yeah I think oh so do you mean real people no Characters. Characters. Yes, but I feel like that's only a new thing. I feel like at the beginning, because wasn't there a bit where like they have a hug in like the second series and one of them's like, oh, weird. And suddenly oh, now there's a lot of the hugs. They did that, I think. But yeah, like, no, no. Remember it one thing mm, in the, at the end of season one, there's kind of famous in my memory of mm. them being in the, getting in a boat mm. in the water mm. uh, all together at, during Shib's wedding. Mm. That castle. Yes, yes, they're yes. very huggy and lovey. Yes, you're right. Like that. That's one of the, that's one of the agents in the story to Interesting. me. Interesting is that they have each other, and that's why. Yeah. Now that Brian's out of the, now that Logan's out of the picture, yeah. um, they're forced to go out and kill for food amongst each other. Yes, oh, it's good phrase. Very, um, upsetting because they're also sort of like in my mind they're like we always call them the kids. Yeah, and they're you know they're in grown their adults, 40s, you know? yeah, with <laughs> unimaginable kind of like power, <laughs> weird, grown up. But I wonder whether that's the... they're so spoiled they don't have to do anything. They're like... even if you're not spoiled, I wonder whether that's sort of my generation because I'm sort of their age, and I will see my extended family, and we all laugh about the fact that some that someone at some point will still go adults up that end, kids down that end, and kids is <laughs> me and my cousins. My cousins who now have seven-year-old children themselves, you know, so you're like, well, what are, what are they then? Yeah. Like babies? Is it like yeah. adults, kids and babies, you know? Yeah. And so I wonder whether that's something about a generational thing of, um, yeah, it, even it if you're not a Roy, there is right. a sense of my generation yeah. having had to be like slightly coddled by our parents because of yeah. financial, you know, the economy changing so much or whatever right. it is, you know, we all lean on parents. But none more. of them have ever gone out on their own no. to, 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 to 
discover themselves. They've mm. never, they've, they've never done anything that wasn't theirs through nepotism. Mm. Made any heroic journey towards anything. Yeah. That I know. You know, yeah. they just have never experienced that. So they're kind of like pupa. <laughs> it's very undeveloped. You know? Yeah. Do you have, um, uh, you do so wonderfully with moments without any lines. <laughs> do you have moments, and I know that's been a lot in this last series because there's been enormous love, justifiable love for you on Twitter over like the lip quiver when, oh someone, when Roman walks out of the room or like the eye twitch in the moment, you know. Are you, um, are you aware of, I guess that's the question, are you aware of trying to make something of moments or are you just, do, you know, you're no, doing what well, feels right? Well, initially, mm. initially, um, not this season at all, but initially in season one, um, I, I became aware that I was having kind of silent reactions mm. to Logan and uh, the Roman yeah. and yeah. Kendall too, and how um, disgusting they were and how, you know, yeah. so a lot of like private eye rolling or yeah, private deadpan, you know, things that were, <laughs> so I wasn't like conscious of like making a face making a moment doing, doing, yeah, 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 doing yeah. a take or something yeah but that became my outlet because it was silent so mm. you know they could be saying something ridiculous and i'd be like biting my lips so then they started writing that into the story a little bit like oh nice I'd arch my eyebrow or i'd be like you know roll my <laughs> eyes and then purse my lips so know? that starts coming into the stage directions does it mm, well occasions for it jay may do something with her face here <laughs> right. if she feels it is right <laughs> yeah but so much of the best stuff the best reactions come out when someone's not speaking ah uh, yeah so um have you all said goodbye to each other now or are you is there some event <laughs> no i mustn't make you cry <laughs> um, um have you all sort of yes a number of times but mm. it's it still still feels like um we were hoping that you know maybe if the show was nominated for awards we'd see each other during the mm. awards well, the writer's strike, I don't know whether yeah. there'll be those occasions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know, because everyone lives all over the world. Mm. Justine and Alan and Nick seem to live in L.A. Mm. Um, Dad lives in New Jersey. Uh, Sarah's in Australia. Mm. Matthew is here. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, in London. Yeah, um, yeah. Kim is in Paris. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, and, and I think, again, that's one of those things that is wonderful and sad about acting is that yeah. every job, whether it's a TV or a theatre one, it's so fleeting and you have this incredibly close family. Yeah. And it does mean something very strong, but then it also has to just dissipate and you have to be able to be like, oh, and Sarah see. said this really chilling thing about mm -hmm. halfway through the season. She was like, none of us will be cast together again. Yeah. We've made too much of a, and that might be true between she and Matthew McFadden, for instance. Yes. Or yes. she and Kieran, mm. or me and Kieran, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but because, People will be hard to... too much with those characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was like very sobering. Unless we just were became a troop. Yes, perfect. <laughs> a rap troop. It's the succession players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I am thrilled that it's coming to an end though. And that's only because it is such a perfect piece of television, in oh. my opinion. And I think for a lot of people it is. And that's so rare, but it's such a perfect piece of television. And everything from the acting being sublime to the writing, to the storyline, to really not knowing where it's ever going to go. I'm so pleased that Jesse and his team did decide to go, let's 
let's end this strongly and let it be a perfect piece of television rather than you know continuing and just risking that at some point it drops off (laughs) it's kind of had a few more (laughs) pretty perfect yeah who are you saying it could Um, have done three more perfect (laughs) yeah no i think because certainly with what he's had he had in mind Mm. which was this deep dive into the family's psyche like Mm. having what happened in episode three happened through everything into high gear you know Mm. so but as a result the supporting players and all the usual crises that happen Mm. are not in like there's the business of trying to buy gojo Mm -hmm. gojo buying them what the deal is and yet the people who would normally have big roles in that Mm. it's not it's become like hyper focused on the siblings you know yeah yeah which is good but Mm. but and but uh so there'd be no coming back from that Mm. you know Mm. uh but if it if you hadn't pushed it to that level already yeah could have eked it out oh yeah because there's so many in fact there could be some kind of I keep thinking there could be some kind of sequel because a movie success in the movie, <laughs> <laughs> um, or or a show that's maybe not about the Roys but mm. directly, but about the world Jerry of media and, and Paul. <laughs> no. That's maybe what we're none saying. of us are in, but that is about journalism, yeah. the media, and fake news, and well, a little exploitation like, of power. Yeah, and, a little like you know Aaron Sorkin and. and the West Wing being incredible, and then um, what was the thing that he did? My brain's gone totally the newsroom. Blank. The newsroom. I love the newsroom, and that didn't stick around for very long. But in a similar way, yes, there could be yeah. something that has that same Jesse's voice and that same right. sort of world, and, but shows us a different. And maybe some of the same characters. Maybe, maybe Jerry just appears once or twice. Maybe she's a guest, <laughs> and then she becomes a regular. <laughs> <laughs> History does repeat itself. Um, okay, amazing. Well, this has just been totally fabulous, and. Um, we should read the speech. So before we do that, what I might do is I might even move us to a place where, or I might move this forward so that I can put the microphone a little nearer you. Oh, you know what? I'll just bring this closer. Okay. I will sit out of your way so that I'm not a distraction. Okay, so once again, to set it up, she's just learned that her son has been shot and Mary is um, there with her, her daughter, and Mary says, oh, I dread it. And, uh, and then Mrs. Boyle, that's Juno, then says this. I forgot, Mary. I forgot. Your poor old selfish mother was only thinking of herself. No, no, you mustn't call me. It wouldn't be good for you. You go on to me, sisters, and I'll face the ordeal myself. Maybe I didn't feel sorry enough for Mrs. Tancred. When her poor son was found, as Johnny's been found now. Because he was a die-hard. And why didn't I remember then that he wasn't a die-hard or a stater, but only a poor dead son? It's well I remember all that she said, and it's my turn to say it now. What was the pain I suffered, Johnny, bringing you into the world to carry you to your cradle? To the pains I'll suffer carrying you out of the world to bring you to your grave. Mother of God, Mother of God, have pity on us all. Blessed Virgin, where were you when me darling son was riddled with bullets? 
when me darling son was riddled with bullets. Sacred-hearted Jesus, take away our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. Take away this murdering hate and give us thine own eternal love. And they all go slowly out. Oh, you see why I was scared to just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after after having picked it, I didn't want to go back on it because I love it so much. But yeah, yeah. It's a little all or nothing. Oh, Jay, thank you very, very much. Are you happy with it? Are you happy? With I'm it? thrilled with it. Okay, good. Oh my God, I'm over the moon with it. Is it too early for day drinking? No. <laughs> Hear me out is a Lucy Eaton Productions podcast. Music composed by Tristan Kay and artwork by Rebecca Bright. Our heartfelt thanks to the estates and license holders that allow us to read our guests' speech choices. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please, please subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow us on social media at Pod Hear Me Out and enjoy visual clips of the interviews on our YouTube channel. Finally, if you would like to support Hear Me Out, go ahead and click the Patreon link at the bottom of the episode bios.